0: All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talk's firefighter podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. Hey everybody, Chris here from 4th Shift Fitness and the Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. This week's ads are for just that, 4th Shift Fitness and the Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. If you like the show, if you like the content up on social media, you can support it. You can go on the 4th Shift Fitness website, fourthshiftfitness.com it's 4thshiftfitness.com, and check out the buy me a coffee button. You can also check out the merch, there's still shirts and hats and stickers available. But all that money goes towards supporting the show, uh, supporting the message, and building the force shift. If you're interested in personal training, I can do some remote stuff. I can do some in-person stuff if you're in the area, in the Chicagoland area, Um, but we offer that as well. So check it out. If you like what you're hearing, please go support the show, donate, buy something, Uh, keep listening, really appreciate it, spread the show around, and uh, let's get into it. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable, both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from First Shift, and let's go chat. All right, this week is going to be a little bit shorter episode. Last week was a long one with Megan Frillman talking about the fertility and pregnancy and policy issues. It was fantastic, and I got a ton of good feedback from it, but it made me really think about a lot of things, and I'll get into those later. So a lot of lessons learned came out of that one, but one of the major things that it made me think of was how we try to convince people of things, and specifically in the fire service, and the fire station, and how terrible we are at it a lot of times because we go into it with these totally off base expectations and I'm not it's an ego thing for sure it's an experience thing it's also just how how you're department and how your people solve problems. You have to know that before you go into a conversation, right? But today we're talking about arguments and conflicts and convincing people in the firehouse, which is a nearly impossible task, but we feel the need whenever we're sitting at the table or on the bay floor, holding a cup of coffee to tell people what they should be doing and how wrong they are for not and why they should be thinking your way. Now, here's the thing about convincing people is you never actually convince anyone I don't convince you guys of stuff. You don't convince the people arguing with the stuff. What happens is you present information and they got to rationalize it within themselves. And we all do the same thing, right? If you tell me something I don't agree with, I have to take the information and rationalize it. Am I going to discard it? Am I going to say, hmm, I kind of don't mind some of this. I'm going to convince myself. You're not going to convince me. You're going to provide information. And too many times we enter a conversation with the idea that I'm going to sit down at the table with this person and... Over the next 7 to 12 minutes, I'm going to completely change who they are. And not only will they see my point of view, they're going to embody it and then go profess my teachings over the land. That is so off the wall. I can't even tell you. But that's how we go into stuff, right? Not to mention, the people that we're usually arguing with are very, very similar to us in personality or experience sometimes or something. So when they see you walk in the door, they're like, well, this person's not getting to me today. There's already walls built up. Now, I'm going to go over some things that we do wrong, in my opinion, uh, that can be better, that I've done a lot of times wrong, and also some things to try. So next time you go into a conversation, if you actually want to be meaningful and kind of um, constructive, you can try some stuff, right? Now, the first thing is recognizing that so many conversations we have are just non-starters to begin with. We all know the hot button things like religion and politics and all the boring stuff, right? But there's other ones too, specific to the fire station. And that's like 35-year-old somebody telling 57-year-old somebody how and when and what they should do with their retirement. There's so many factors that that 35-year-old just can't even imagine yet that that 57-year-old has examined in depth that it's a non-starter, right? And you'll get that, I mean, every day. We have a good number of people looking to retire at my department over the next five or six years. Each one of them in a different time in their career. Some at 28 years, some at 32 years, some not sure yet. All with different approaches to what they've saved, what they've spent, their family size, their medical issues—so many variables. But none, regardless of that, you sit down at the table and you're going to have someone in their 20s and 30s telling that person how much money they need to retire. Non-starter. All right. And here's the truth about conversations and arguments and and convincing people. It's that you're less important than you think, okay? It's really, you got to hope that you're the right person, first of all, who's going to present this information, whatever it is, and that could be the issue number one. There's just some people I won't listen to. I'll listen to their message sometimes if someone backs them up and says, you should probably listen to them, then I'll take a look at it. But there's some people I know they are going to come at me with some stuff that I'm not going to want to hear. The next is you got to have the right timing, okay, the right information, and that that person is in a position where they're willing to not only just sit there and kind of placate you and tell you they're listening, but actually take it in and maybe, maybe make a little incremental change sometime that you won't know about. And that goes against all of our instincts as helpers, right? We see a problem and we typically have a pretty immediate solution to fix it. If your heart's doing this wiggly thing, hit it with electricity, fix that. If there's a fire, get some water, put it on the fire. Not simple, very simple. But if I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me, You got to trust that you're going to present this information, they're going to receive it, and sometime between the next two and a half minutes to 24 years, maybe they'll take it into consideration and maybe adjust a little bit. And that would be a big victory, right? But we're never going to hear about that. And so that's frustrating. The lack of closure on these things drives us bananas and it gets us into more and more trouble. We think when that happens, we don't see that immediate change. We'll try harder, yell louder, bring more passion, come with the heat. And that's what we do. And that's where these things become infinitely entertaining, but horribly useless. So here's some things to avoid, from my experience of both making plenty of mistakes and also watching guys just getting in terrible spots from their approach, okay? Now, the first thing is pretending you're the expert when you're talking to the expert. And this can be that retirement talk I just had, right? You have someone that's years or months away from retiring. They've looked at their finances. They know what they've been doing for the past 25 to 30 years. They have knowledge of context and details that you'll never have. You're talking to the expert, hopefully. You're not the expert. And so you're going to come with all sorts of ideas of what they should be doing. None of them are going to fly, right? We also see this with uh, younger generation firefighters talking to older generation firefighters. There's some things that those older generation firefighters have experienced, whether it's on medical calls, fires, emergency scenes in general. They've experienced that. And so they have those thoughts in their head. They have those things that they believe that have been built over decades of struggling with that stuff. You as the new person comes in and tells them something completely different or new, you gotta know who you're talking to. I think one of the biggest uh, examples of that conflict I can think of is pushing fire. When I came on the job, There was still the belief that you could push fire with the hose line, that you could have a fire in the kitchen, and if you opened up the line in the kitchen and it was pointing the wrong direction, you could push it to the next room and up the stairs to the bedrooms. Right? Did all kinds of studies on it. Not so much true. You can push all the stuff that is associated with the fire, all the smoke and steam and all the junk that goes with the fire, you can push that throughout the house. But actual fire, you're not going to catch the next room on fire by trying to put it out. That was a big conflict because you had... Nearly probationary members telling nearly thirty-year-old veterans that what they experienced didn't happen, that what they actually experienced was this, but you thought it was that, and what you're saying I can do I can't do. Big conflict, right? You're you as a probationary person probably aren't the person to to, uh, spearhead that (laughs) that conversation. So, long story short, don't pretend you're the expert when you're talking to the expert. Now, the next one is something that might be the most prolific and the most common thing is one-upping, right? Trying to one-up someone's story instead of using your experiences to show you have credibility. You can talk about whatever the topic is. I'm sure an example's has come into mind. This is all about calls. This is all about personal struggles, relationships, EMS calls, finances. You'll get someone telling a story. I'm going through this. This is what I think. This is what I believe. And they might even cut them off that next person at the table, start telling a story and you think it's related and they're going to be kind of falling back in line. All of a sudden, either it does two things it takes a hard right turn and you're like, this story isn't related at all. You just want to talk. You're one upping. You're, you're kind of telling something else or it keeps in the same vein. And instead of saying, man, I had these struggles too. Here's how I went through it. Your whole goal for telling a story is to say how much better you did at that situation than that person who was telling the first story be careful, right? That's going to turn people off. You didn't teach that person anything or share any knowledge with them besides how much better you think you are than them. All right. And the next one is false equivalence. And this one drives me bananas. It more or less drives me apples and oranges because that's what it is. Now, this is one of those things that you know, it's a thing, but you don't know the name for it, but that's what it is. The apples and oranges conversation. You can't compare those two things. They're apples and oranges. Stop comparing them that's false equivalence. And we saw this last week when I was talking to Megan because she wanted to institute maternity leave. And some people were pushing back and said, I've been trying to get stipends for my special team for years. And now you're going to come along and ask for this benefit that I might not be able to get. That is such a garbage argument. Now I looked it up because I wanted more actual smart words on it. What I got was entertainment. One of the first persons pictures that comes up when you Google false equi- when you search false equivalents is a picture of Jesus next to a picture of Hitler. And it says they both have mustaches, but that does not make them the same in terms of their ideological beliefs. True that. Like that is a great picture. And I'm so glad I looked that up because that's exactly it. I think it's unfair that Nathan McKinnon should be able to go play NHL hockey for eight million bucks a year because I've been trying to play hockey for a long, long time. Well, the reason those two things are different is because he's amazing and I suck, okay? It's not fair because I believe it's not fair. It's completely fair when you look at skill and ability and all that stuff. So it's unfair for me to say like, well, if he can do it, I should be afforded the same opportunity. Guess what I was and I couldn't make it. Not mad about it. I'm just bringing up, <laughs> that sounds really, really bitter. I'm not. I, I was very comfortable with the fact I was not good enough. But I'm bringing up, that's how absurd these conversations are all right the last one is a dangerous one because it typically happens and these are some of the more emotional and charged and hurting feelings conversations you can have because they typically go around personal stuff and this is inappropriately placing your values on the person that you're talking to or arguing with okay and you can you can probably imagine right off the bat this usually has to do with this the the touchy issues, religion, politics, anything in that vein, the stuff they tell you to avoid talking about at dinner parties, exercise, <laughs> um, anything in that vein, you are if you don't understand where that other person's coming from and what their values and beliefs are, and you're assuming that they have the same values and beliefs that you do, they just have this little piece of the puzzle wrong and that's going to help them, you are so far off, okay, you cannot place your values on the people you're trying to appeal to. You have to understand what their values are and take into account how you're going to deliver that message. But that is the best way to make everybody angry. Now here's some things to try. I don't want to leave you with just problems. I want to leave you with some solutions. Here's some things to try. And I've tried to do these more and more since I started pursuing promotion because I had to be more effective in the way I communicate with people. The first thing is set the expectations. If you know you're going into a difficult conversation Put it out there. Hey, can we talk about this? I want to talk to you about this. Is this okay? Can we bring this up? They might say yes. They might say no. They might say later. They might say, yeah, but not with that person here. Set the expectation. Also, the expectation of what they're willing to listen to. Like, set that expectation. Ask them, how solid are you on this idea? They might say, so solid. This is 100% who I am, what I believe, and I have a tattoo with the thing on me to prove it. In that case, Adjust your expectations, what you're going to get out of that conversation, right? They might say, "Ah, not too solid. I like it, and I think that's what I like, and I'm kind of what I believe, but I'm open to hearing something different. That's an in. That sets your expectations also, right? The next thing you have to do is take attendance. Take attendance of the room. I cannot stress this enough. Take attendance before you get into a conversation you know is going to be a thing. I'll take attendance for several reasons. First of all, to know stuff I shouldn't be talking about, what I should not approach, but also what I should approach. I will be the first one to tell you, politics is not a huge thing on my in my life, right? I don't seek out information on it. I don't seek out stories on it. It's there. I understand. I have to understand the basic parts of it. But beyond that, I'm not interested. However, if the right person's in the room, I am now, a political analyst and expert. I will spout off all kinds of stuff because I know that person is going to grab onto it and we're going to get into something fun. But I can't tell you how many times on the flip side of that, a battalion chief has walked in the room or a captain has walked in the room and someone will spout off and be like, what's the deal with blank? Why aren't we doing this? And what's this guy's problem? If you think that upper level management person is going to start giving you all the details in a room full of people of varying attention spans and also motives, what are you thinking? Right? There's no way you're going to get a good response out of that person. Take attendance. Okay. If I go one-on-one with that battalion chief and I've also cleared my chain of command, right? That's another part of it. Maybe they'll give me a little insight. Give me a little information about what I'm asking about, but to, to ambush someone in a room of varied people is never going to work. So take attendance of what you're talking about and who is around you when you do it. Now, if you are going to get in a conversation with someone ask questions for the right reason. Okay. Ask because you're legitimately interested or concerned or you don't understand something. As tempting as it is and as fun as it is sometimes, don't ask questions that lead them down the yellow brick road into your bear trap. It can be entertaining to watch. It can prove some very harsh points, but if you actually want to have a conversation with someone, a constructive conversation, ask questions that you're concerned about, right? If you're not concerned, Don't ask questions just to make the person work. And this has happened to Kurt and myself several times where someone will try to prove how smart they are in terms of exercise and working out by asking questions they already know the answer to, but they'll do it in front of people. So when we tell the answer, they can agree with it and say, I thought that was the case. You already know the answer and we can see you already know the answer. All that does is next time you come with a question, I'm going to doubt that you actually need the information. And I'm going to say, this person just wants to sound smart. You explain why it's so smart and just show people you got a big brain. It's all good. Now, this next one's one I've used recently and kind of frequently, and I'm going to tie it back to the retirement stuff because it's a good example, but you can put it on pretty much anything, right? You can put it on injuries, um, light duty, workman's cop guys. You can put it on training stuff, and that's referencing people for the sake of conversation, but not necessarily teaching the lessons of what that person did. It's a tough one to explain, but here it is, right? You get someone that's going to retire, and they're two years away from retirement, and there's a lot of conversation on if you should retire at 28 years, at 30 years. Some people need to stick around longer. Some people want to wait longer because there's some insurance benefit. Instead of saying, here's what you should do. So-and-so left at 28 years because of this, and this is what they found, and this is how it went. That's almost like asking a closed-ended question. It's like a yes, that's it. You've ended the conversation with your story. Instead, what you can do is say, hey, didn't so-and-so leave at 28 years um, I thought they were going to leave at 30, they left at 28, I'm not sure what their deal was, but it worked for them. That opens it up to talk about, well, that person had this going on, and that person had that going on, and this was their situation, and yeah, that worked for him, but it won't work for me. That's an open-ended story that gets people talking about the situation, and if somebody was doubting that person or had questions about it, now they have the context to be more informed, right? So using stories of other people can be effective as long as you're not saying, this person did this, So why don't you do that? Use it as a landmark to start a conversation instead of a teaching point. Now, the last one is very, very difficult to rationalize with yourself. It's very, very difficult to keep in your mind as the conversation or the argument is winding down, but it's incredibly effective in keeping your your mental state sound, okay? And that is this. Unless that person and their decisions or whatever you're debating directly impacts your daily life or operations or your safety or anything like that, unless it has those implications, whatever they believe, whatever they think, whatever you think they're wrong about, that is their problem. That is their issue. That's their thing to deal with. But that is their problem. If you carry that with you now and your sole purpose is to appeal to this person every time you see them or it just bugs you so much that they can't see your way or they continue to do these things and they're not directly impacting you, you're burning yourself with so much extra junk that you don't have to let them have it. And if you believe it's that bad, it'll catch up with them eventually. And if it's really not that bad, maybe you're the one that has a bigger problem with it than they do. That's usually the case, right? You have a bigger problem with whatever that person's saying than they do. If they had a bigger problem with it, they wouldn't be doing it. Okay. That's their stuff. Let them have it. You have your stuff. Pay attention to yourself. Let them have their junk. They'll figure it out. Okay. And if they don't, they don't just make sure it doesn't affect you on the way down. So, tough lessons, right? But a lot of stuff. I've made a lot of bad mistakes. All those mistakes in there that I wrote down, guess how I knew about them, made them. And all the things to try, guess how I knew about them, trying them, not good at them. Don't do them all the time, but I'm working on it. Okay. And that's the best we can do. Conversations at the firehouse are some of the most interesting, entertaining, also terrible, risky things we can have. Um, and you know, if you have a good crew that likes to have conversations, that's great. If you have a bunch of people who do those things I talked about uh, not so great, right? So so yeah, take a look at it. Take some things to heart. I don't know. Do whatever you want. You're just going to do it anyways. That's all lesson this thing, right? Do what you want. You're just going to do it anyways. But if you think about it, cool. Thanks. If you like the show, if you like Fourth Shift Fitness, you can go on the Fourth Shift Fitness website for number 4thshiftfitness.com. Check out the shirts and hats and stickers and stuff. If you hate Fourth Shift Fitness, but you like the show, totally down with that too. You can go to the buy me a coffee button and page on the website, also in the show notes and donate some money towards the show, uh, towards coffee, towards my bribes for guests to come and talk to me. Uh, it's dearly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. Let's all keep working towards being more capable and durable, both on shift and away from it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Be a four shifter.